We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
You're listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. Perspective had grown cloudy underneath my circumstance, but the one who tends the sparrow had higher things in store, and like a mighty eagle, he has made my heart to soar. Now I forevermore 
overcome evil by the blood of the Lamb and by our testimony. And love not our lives, please take my life, you gave your life for me. To your cause, I'll be with you forevermore, with no loneliness, no crying, no more pain. And when I see your face, I'll gaze upon the greatest love I've ever known, and I'll lift my voice in praises once again. How amazing that the Maker of the cares for me How astounding that the Lord of all creation knows my name In your eyes I'm your precious child so loved and He walked beside me Like he'd been there All along Not a stranger But a father Who could sense When something's wrong And he answered All my questions And he understood my fear That somehow Vanished now That he was he can't you see who walks with you can't you hear who speaks your name can't you feel something stirring in your heart how his words ring strong and true like a wall 
and the path we follow from now on be the same I couldn't bear for him to leave me so I begged him please to stay Spend the evening a few moments Before he went his way Then like a host he stood and blessed me Broke the bread and poured the wine Then I knew there was something there I can hear who speaks my name I can feel something stirring in my heart how his words ring strong and true like a once familiar strain and I know I'll never be the same I and see and from that moment in time I felt the emptiness inside and all the wonder of creation shining through and for the first time in my life I really looked into his eyes saw eternity and suddenly I knew yes I can see I can see who walks with me I can hear who speaks my name I can feel something stirring in my heart How his words still ring strong and true Like a once familiar string And I know I'll never be the same I can see Psalm 69 verse 16 says, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies.
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the Forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of
exalt my fall I trust in your unfailing love My heart exalts in your salvation And I will sing unto the Lord For he has been good to you're enjoying songs of praise here's some more inspirational music
doom, 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 hallowed be thy name, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, hallowed be thy name. As in heaven, so on the earth, O hallowed be thy name. Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. You are listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. Today, we are continuing with the book, Deeply Esteemed, The Life and Ministry of H.C.K. Harker. The reader is Dr. Barry Harker, the author and also the grandson of Pastor Harold Harker, the subject of the book. Here is our reader. Continuing Chapter 10, Across the Bite. After Cottesloe, the family moved to Carragullen in the hills to the southeast of Perth. Carragullen was past Bickley where the church operated Carmel College. To get to Carragullen, the family went by train on the switchback or zigzag railway. The family moved into a little two-room cottage on Brother Norman Ferguson's orchard. Norman's sister, Mrs Lansky, was a war widow, so he had built the cottage for her right beside his house. The cottage was not big enough for the family, so Laura and Winifred slept on the veranda of Norman Ferguson's house. The children walked several miles to school with other children, including the Hansford boys, the Stanleys and the Lanskys. Stanford and Eric made bamboo water pistols, complete with plungers and delighted in surprising the unwary who ventured within their range as they laid in wait for their victims. Harold held studies with the Abbott family who lived a few miles away, and to get there he rode a horse. Often it was so dark as he rode home he couldn't see, so he gave the horse the reins and allowed the horse to bring him home safely. The horse's ability to bring him home in the dark added to Harold's appreciation of these magnificent creatures. Harold attended the Western Australian camp meeting, which was held at Forest Park, Mount Lawley, a Perth suburb, between March 9 and 19 in 1922. The park was lent by Perth City Council for the occasion, 
although the council was aware that there would be opposition to granting the use of the park for this purpose. 130 tents were pitched just a few minutes' drive by car from the city. When the tents were pitched, the Sunday Times printed an article of protest. A few days after this protest appeared, the conference received a letter from a prominent resident of the district in which he declared that the community was honoured by the presence of the camp meeting and repudiated the sentiments expressed in the article. He expressed his appreciation for the personal benefit he and his family had received from attending the meetings, enclosing half a guinea as a donation toward foreign missions. A guinea was one pound and one shilling. Half a guinea was ten shillings and sixpence. It was quite a sum when a worker might earn a guinea in a week. The conference workers were greatly encouraged by this, and the encouragement was strengthened when later in the meetings other correspondence was received from nearby residents expressing similar sentiments. Good interest was manifested by the public in the presentations from the platform. On the last night of the meetings, Harold spoke on the subject, Why I am a Seventh-day Adventist. A large and appreciative audience listened attentively for an hour and a half while Harold related the story of how he became a Seventh-day Adventist and presented the evidence that compelled him to leave the church of his childhood. Although softly spoken in conversation, Harold's voice rang through the tent as he delivered his topic. The interest generated by the Mount Lawley camp meeting led to a request for Harold to conduct a follow-up tent mission at Mount Lawley, so the family moved from Carragullan to West Leaderville, a nearby suburb to Mount Lawley. Harold purchased a house in Tate Street. He also purchased a cow and a pony and sulky for the family, and a smith's wheel, a motorised bicycle to assist his work. The children attended the Subiaco Church School. Harold put his usual energy into the tent mission in Mount Lawley, and soon a number of people stepped out to embrace the Seventh-day Adventist faith. When the conference president, Pastor H.E. Piper, addressed the audience at the mission in July, he was met by what he described as a splendid audience. At the same time, Pastor Robinson was experiencing similar results in Albany. Harold attended the 11th session of the Australasian Union Conference, which convened in the large pavilion of the Royal Agricultural Showgrounds in Sydney on September 26, 1922. At the conference, Harold was invited to connect with the Victorian Conference. After three years in Western Australia, Harold was returning to a conference where he had spent so much time in earlier years. Harold returned to West Leaderville and began to prepare for the move to Victoria. The house was sold and brother and sister Baird purchased the cow. In November, Harold learned that his Bible teacher at Avondale College, Pastor Stephen Haskell, had passed away on October 10 at the Paradise Valley Sanitarium in California at the age of 89. Pastor Haskell was an inspiration to those who knew him and Harold mourned the passing of such a great man of God. In December, the family said goodbye to church members friends and associates, and boarded the SS Katoomba in Fremantle, travelling over Christmas across the Great Australian Bight, and arriving in Melbourne in time for the erection of tents for the Victorian camp meeting that was to be held in Baldwin, Melbourne, in January of the new year. Chapter 11. Second Invasion Don't you know? Haven't you heard? 
Didn't anyone ever tell you? Eric Hare's eyebrows lifted as he began telling a story to the children at the Melbourne camp. On furlough from Burma, Pastor Hare kept the children spellbound with a story of his experiences there. Like the other children at the camp, the Harker children couldn't hear enough of his stories and followed him around. Their fascination with the people and places of faraway Burma and his evident interest in them drew them to him. He was their friend, and the children responded by wanting to spend time in his company. While at the camp, Pastor Hare raised money to purchase instruments for his brass band in Burma. Harold busied himself with his duties at the camp meeting. The camp was held in Hampton, a suburb of Melbourne on Port Phillip Bay. Because the camp generated significant interest from the public, it was decided that a mission should be held in Hampton, following the camp, to take advantage of this interest. Harold and Pastor E.B. Rudge were asked to conduct the mission, and they were to be assisted by Walter Batty, G. Parmentier and Sister E. Hodgetts. Harold moved his family into a house in Brighton, an adjoining suburb. The street in which they lived sloped, and Stanford and Eric built a billy cart to take advantage of the slope. Laura and Winifred attended Hampton High School. Back in the city that he knew so well, Harold enjoyed renewing associations and working closely with other members of the mission team. He was kept busy with the mission and the follow-up to it. Anne enjoyed being close to her parents again, and throughout the year there were visits to her parents in Keysborough. At the Victorian camp meeting in January 1924, Harold was asked by the conference to conduct a mission in Hamilton to the west of Melbourne, near the South Australian border. Sister Elsie Hopgood, a lady Bible instructor, was assigned to assist Harold. Once more, the family relocated. Harold was familiar with Hamilton as he had been a coal porter there in September 1901. When he returned in 1924, he found a prosperous town of about 5,000 people. Hamilton was later known as the wool capital of the world. Several years after Harold's work in Hamilton in 1901, Pastor Robert Hare conducted a tent mission in a central location in Hamilton. The spiritual seed sown by these workers lay dormant for almost 20 years until Harold returned in 1924. Brother Walter Batty, Harold's associate in the Hampton mission, and his wife, joined Harold and Sister Hopgood in Hamilton. The mission was held in Milton Street, and Walter Batty accompanied the singing on the violin. The tent mission soon met opposition. Reflecting on these events more than a year later, Harold wrote, At this time, strong opposition was raised by the enemy, who determined to oppose the second invasion of truth. But God, who is our strong fortress, prevailed, and while every inch of the ground had to be contested, slow but sure progress has been made. Harold continued, The editor of the local paper proved a friend to the reformers and readily consented to publish reports of the addresses. By this means, although the attendance was at no time large, the subjects were carried free of cost to the mission to 7,000 readers each week. This was more than the opposition could stand, and pressure was brought to bear on the proprietor of the newspaper, who reluctantly had to notify us he would not be able to publish our reports so frequently. 
This, however, was not before 50 feet of printed matter on the third angel's message had been circulated. Anne's father, John Gadsden, died on March 24, 1924, during the mission in Hamilton. In addition to losing her father, Anne became sick in Hamilton. She found the climate harsh and went to the Warburton Sanitarium to recuperate. Winifred left school to help Laura keep the house and care for the younger children. Raymond contracted whooping cough. Phyllis started school in Hamilton and Winifred took her to and from school on the bicycle that Harold had purchased for her. By mid-year, despite the difficulties, Harold reported steady progress in Hamilton. A number of earnest souls were preparing for baptism. A decision was made that, on account of Anne's ill health, Harold should leave Hamilton and conduct a mission in Castle Maine. Brother Connell took over from Harold, but also left on account of the climate after several months. Walter Batty, who left Hamilton for a period, returned there with his wife. By September, Hamilton had 18 new Sabbath keepers as a result of Harold's work and the work of Brother Connell and Brother Batty. Meanwhile, Harold's mission in Castlemaine was proving effective. He was joined by Brother C. Stafford, who had been working in Bruthen in eastern Victoria. It was difficult for Brother Stafford to leave the new converts in Bruthen, but the Lord had his hand over the situation, as his aged mother, who lived close to Castlemaine, became seriously ill after he arrived to assist Harold. At Castle Main, Harold found a cottage at nearby Campbell's Creek with a disused gold mine across the road. The property backed onto the railway and Stanford and Eric used to call out, paper, paper, as the train sped past. People threw out their newspapers and sometimes even blocks of chocolate. The newspapers were eagerly scanned for news. The house was made of weatherboards with a veranda at the front. The land sloped toward the front. The back of the house reached into the hill, where a little dairy was built partly into the side of the hill. It had shelves of marble slabs, where Anne was able to place the big dishes of scalded and unscalded cow's milk. The cow and horse were kept in a paddock across the road. Laura and Winifred went horseback riding with a group of young people, out to nearby mineral springs, riding past apple orchards on the way. At the Victorian camp meeting held in January 1925 at Normanby Park, East Kew, Harold had the joy of baptising six of the converts from the Hamilton mission. At the camp, Castlemaine was also confirmed as Harold's field of labour. Brother Reginald Burns was asked to assist Harold and Sister Elsie Hopgood was confirmed on Harold's team. Brother Walter Batty continued the work in Hamilton. Pastor J.H. Wood, who married Harold and Anne in 1907, passed away on January 21. Harold and four other pastors assisted Pastor A.W. Anderson in the funeral services, in the church and at the graveside. Pastor Wood's mother was one of the first converts to the Adventist faith in Australia in the 1880s. Within six months, J.H. Woods had joined her in her faith. He and his partner in their printing firm in Melbourne, W.H.B. Miller, had been won to the faith by a discussion at a Mutual Improvement Society meeting on the question, which day is the Sabbath? 
His partner took the affirmative in favour of the seventh day, and J.H. Woods took the lead in the negative. His partner, who had become acquainted with Pastor J.O. Corliss, invited Pastor Corliss to lead out in the discussion. So ably did Pastor Corliss affirm the seventh day that about a score of people began to keep the seventh-day Sabbath as a result of the meeting, including J.H. Woods and his business partner, W.H.B. Miller. To be continued next week. Don't forget to tune in next time for the next chapter of Deeply Esteemed, the life and ministry of H.C.K. Harker. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 8. Again, a psalm of David, and he wrote this for the choir director. And the theme of the psalm of nine verses is God's glory in his creation. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You, O Lord, whose glory is higher than the heavens. Even from the mouths of babes and infants, praise shall flow forth. This shall silence your enemies and make dumb the foe in their fury. When I look up to the heavens you made with your hands, the moon and the stars which you put in their places, what are we mere humans that you remember them and the human race that you care for them. For you have honoured them in creating them a little lower than the angels, placing a crown of glory upon their heads. You have given them authority over the things you have made. They have control over the creatures of this world, their sheep, their cattle, the majestic horse, and even the wild animals roaming the plains, the birds that fly above us, and the fish swimming through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth.